Welcome to The Sipping Point, where each week we explore the recipe for a delicious life. I'm your host, Lori Forster, the wine coach, and I've made it my mission in life to demystify wine and spirits one glass at a time. So expect a fresh and fun approach to the world of wine, spirits, food, and so much more. This week, we're catching up with one of our favorite mixologists, John Rusing of Bad Decisions, my favorite name for a bar ever. You're brilliant. He's just back from Tales of the Cocktail Conference in New Orleans. We're going to find out what that is. But it is pretty much the mecca of liquor. Absolutely. All around the country and maybe the world for that matter. I think it's the number. We were talking about this down there. It's the number two city for consumption per capita. Only beat by Vegas. So they drink more booze there per person than anywhere else in the world except for... Wow. So you're meeting in the city of liquor, but this is a conference for mixologists, for bartenders, for liquor brands, for everybody to come together and sort of see the new trends, taste the new products. There's a lot of... Get into trouble. Oh, yeah. A lot of that. (laughs) That's that's later in the evening. (laughs) Okay. Well, you're going to tell us a little bit about all that because I asked you to really bring back some of the favorite things you found at the conference since I couldn't be there. Now, next year, we're going to have to work that out. Next year, you can plan around <laughs> it, yeah. So, I have been, say, to Aspen Food and Wine, which is a huge thing along these lines as well. But from what I've heard of my friends in the business, that is like kindergarten next to <laughs> Tales of the Cocktail as far as what goes on. So, tell my listeners, because if they're not in the business, they don't know. Tell us about this conference and what goes on. I think the best way to sum up uh, kind of what we do at this conference every year is they change the motto of it this okay. year to it's not a sprint, it's a marathon okay. because Very good. everywhere you go, it's like, hey, try my new rum. Hey, try this whiskey. Hey, try this cocktail. So uh, you leave your hotel room at 9 a.m. and by 11 a.m. you've maybe had a dozen drinks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so even for a seasoned professional drinker, you know, right. like, a, like a professional bartender or something. That is a lot of high-end booze to be dumping down your throat it is. for five days in a row. You know, in, in the wine business, we call it tasting because it does make it sound so much more professional. <sighs> Not many of us taste. <laughs> <laughs> now, we spit a lot when you go to large-scale wine tastings. You, you know, you have the, the buckets. Trade people do that. Right. Professionals, consumers never do it, and that's where the trouble <laughs> always comes in. But... When I did some judging for a cocktail competition at the B&O, what they seemed to do was the straws, the mm-hmm. cocktail straws, stick them in with your thumb on it, bring it out and take a, just a straw taste. Is that what people are doing? What are they doing I mean, to manage this? All of us are also kind of on vacation. We are also in New Orleans. <laughs> so it's okay. It's socially acceptable to get a little banged up in New Orleans. Yeah, you know? I would think so if you're um, going to do it anywhere. So basically people try to schedule their day out. Like I definitely want to go to this tasting room and try this brand. I definitely want to hit this event that evening and then just kind of plan on unraveling and making it back to your hotel room (laughs) after that. Unraveling. Love it. Okay. So it's a place where everybody's debuting new products, you know, sort of old um, standbys as well, but people are there to get educated on new techniques, new products. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of training. There's a lot of kind of the rock stars of this business are all there, whether they're there of their own accord or of they've course been hired you were by there. a brand. <laughs> uh, not even compared. Some of these guys are, you know, the titans of the business. Right. 
And yeah. I know you said we had quite a few of our bartender uh, guild here in Baltimore oh, there yeah. at the conference. So oh, we made a great showing. And people joke that it's a terrible time to get a drink anywhere in the country that week. Because <laughs> anybody that's anybody is in New Orleans. Uh, I was in New York last week, so maybe I was okay. <laughs> Stayed at home. All right. So tell us, what were some of the interesting trends that you saw at the conference that we need to know about? Well, there's there's kind of two conferences that happen at the same time. Okay. So there are the major brands that are there pushing whatever they're releasing this year. Okay. With huge budgets and giant events and it's very flashy. So, you know, you go to the Bacardi party, which is one of the, the main things that happens one of the evenings and they're whatever new Bacardi flavor mm-hmm. of the moment is. But, you know... Then, so every bartender in the room tries it and goes, okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> let me, I guess, get whatever high-end Bacardi cocktail you're making. But there's not really a high-end Bacardi cocktail because it's still only Bacardi. Okay. You know, so th- I don't know what Bacardi's plan is by spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to try and impress these people because they're still only giving them Bacardi. Right. You know. So you guys are looking for more of that smaller craft. Yeah, we know what Bacardi is. You okay. know, if you're coming to this conference, you're not going to be blown away by the Bacardi 8 year. You've already had it. You're right. Not, it's not going to change your life. Right. Um but maybe just this is a way for them to solidify an already existing relationship. Right, or give away a lot of swag and you ah, know. Ah, I like the t-shirt. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it just so happens I'm wearing a Bacardi t-shirt. There you, know? you go. Um so there's all these major things that are paid for and that pay for the conference by these major brands. And then there's this whole set of other things that happen that aren't part of the conference necessarily, but they're happening at the same time, catered to the same crowd. And this is a lot more of the the cool, quirky... Invite-only parties? A lot of that. A lot yeah. of that. Um, where you don't even necessarily hear about it. So if, you know, if you're a bartender out listening to this, definitely go for your first time and do all the big stuff. Right. You know, check it out. Meet your, you know, other bartenders from all around the world, like... Literally all around the world, South America, Australia, they were all Exciting. there. Yeah. And then if you go back again, then start seeking out some of this cooler stuff that might only be liquor brand owners and restaurateurs from around the world that are coming to these kind of niche things. Yeah. Yeah. It's really neat. I'll have to see if we can get a media pass next year. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. I think we need to go, Chris. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, some of the smaller things... So that's that you what, went to, that's where you find the trends, at least, you know, yeah. on a small scale, right? And that's what the people, the couple people in each city that are the trendsetters, that's what they're going to go home with. And that's what they're going to talk about. Okay. They're not going to talk about the new Bacardi flavor. Mm-hmm. They don't care. Okay. You know? So uh, one of the cooler, th- and so every year there tends to be this one cocktail that kind of floats to the top of the heap. Mm. Um, and usually it's a really old one. So there's a cocktail historian called David Wondrich, and he writes for everybody. Uh, Esquire, New York Times. He's kind of like one of the leading voices of classic cocktails and how we make them now and why some of them are better than others. Okay. So uh, this year it was called the Ideal Cocktail, and it's out of the Savoy Cocktail Guide, which is kind of like the Old Testament for mixology. The Ideal Cocktail. Yep. And What's in it? It's a very traditional style cocktail in that it's dry gin, mm-hmm. it's vermouth, it's a little bit of citrus juice, and a little bit of tiny bit of sweetener with some herbal base. So I mean, this this basic building block of a cocktail is repeated. I can think of at least two hundred cocktails that follow that pattern. 
Wow. But it's about the proportions and it's about the actual ingredients and why some of them are better than others. Okay. Well, are we going to have an ideal uh, cocktail? Let's wait. Whip one up, right? <laughs> so Let's do it. Dry gin. Um, right. If you're doing this at home, any London dry. And most of these old time cocktails don't call for London dry. They called for an old Tom style, which is a different style. Okay. So this one actually specifically is based around a London dry. Okay. And part of the reason that I think appealed to so many of these bartenders down there um, when David Wondrich was presenting this one is because we drink a lot of London dry now and we don't drink a lot of old Tom. So ah. when these bartenders are at home drinking a Negroni or something, that's the gin they're using. Right. So, so that's what we might as well use what's in the cabinet. Yeah, definitely. And that was another cool thing about this cocktail is every bar you went to had the ingredients. So if you tried it at his seminar on cocktail history, you could go to any other bar in New Orleans that night and go, you know what? Let me get that. You had the ingredients. Let me to show your bartender how to make it. Done. Easy. Okay. Now I have, I believe it's called dry fly gin out of Washington. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you had that? Was, what an, style is that? So that is a dry gin and it's an American style dry gin versus okay. the London stuff. Usually, typically the American style has a little more juniper and it's a little, it's a little bolder on the flavor and that's what differentiates. But that, any American dry gin, totally appropriate for this too. So okay. like maybe a blue coat out of Philadelphia. Nice. Would be perfect for this. Well, while you're shaking that up, because I can hear you shake it up, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back on The Sipping Point with John Roosing of Bad Decisions. We'll be right back. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach, with The Sipping Point, and we're back with John Roosing, fresh from New Orleans, the tales of the cocktail. He is the owner of Bad Decisions Bar here in Baltimore, and you also own a sausage company as well. That's true. I make a little bit of sausage in my spare time. Sausage and bar. This is perfect. I don't know what else you need in life. Okay, so you're back from the conference. It's the who's who of the world of wine and spirits. Yeah. And really. Yeah. I mean, literally the... It is. The rock stars of the business. I love it. And so you talked a little bit about what went on at the conference in the earlier segment. And then you said one cocktail always stands out. This one did. It's called an ideal cocktail. Yep. Says says it just like it is. And you were shaking it up right before we went to break. We know there's dry gin in there. What are the proportions? So if you're reading your Savoy cocktail book at home, you can look this one up. Oh. Um, but we're changing the recipe a little bit for today's drinker. Oh, good. So what we're doing is we're doing equal portions of dry gin, sweet vermouth, and dry vermouth. And then oh. a bar spoon of fresh grapefruit. Fresh grapefruit, not out of a bottle. And three dashes of maraschino liqueur, not maraschino cherry juice. <laughs> totally different. Mm. This is delicious. And again, all of these ingredients are pretty much in any decent bar. Uh, it's just about how you're putting them together and you get this fantastically the balanced The herbaceous cocktail. piece comes from? It's the two, two vermouths working okay, together. Okay, two different vermouths. And okay. the maraschino has a lot of that too. Okay. Wow. And you just decide what the portions are, I guess? Well, you so said equal portions, you know, is it three ounces, on, six ounces? Depends on the size of your glass, but <laughs> generally I'd be doing about an three quarters ounce of each. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's a reasonable. But you know, again, if you're going to blow this up and make a punch out of it, which you could, uh, just make sure you're increasing your juice and your maraschino in the same ratio. And this is delicious. Very dangerous. Great for hot weather. Yeah, it doesn't taste like it's pretty much all booze. Now, you're serving it, I know, in a martini glass. Yes. Straight up, no ice. Uh, no ice, because if you're shaking it appropriately, you're going to get enough dilution. Okay. Yeah. And you don't need that. 
Perfect. All right. And I had one other question. Oh, what makes it a punch just the way it's served? Like um, this would become a punch if we put it in a punch bowl with little tea glasses? Totally. <laughs> I mean, and that I would put probably a giant ice cube in the punch to water it down a little more so people aren't falling out of their chairs. Okay. You know, and off the deck. But um, there's actually a really good book written on what makes a punch a punch. Oh, great. Um, but again, just like the martini, that definition has kind of gotten fluid okay. in today's world. Um, traditionally, a punch had a very specific regimen of what made it a punch. Mm. And now it's just kind of, we're making a big drink to share, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's true. And our folks, I know ice is huge. I don't know if that was a big focus of the conference, but the... Uh, spherical yeah, that, a lot of ice and all that stuff. Is that still big? No, that's high-end gimmicks. And people that people that are drinking, we'd rather spend our money on a fancy bottle of liquor that we're going to drink rather than a fancy cube of ice to put in a cheaper bottle of liquor. Okay. And that, So that's the kind of crowd you're dealing with down there. They'll, they laugh at the bells and whistles and know that that makes them money at home, but uh, we'd rather just... Okay. Booze, booze in the glass, please. It's Thank like you. some of the crazy wine accessories that are out there, too. That's yeah. Like, okay, come yeah. on. I'm sure this aerates the wine at an amazing speed, but and I can... vacuum seals it, but yeah. who's, who's not, not gonna finishing drink the bottle? bottle? Yeah, exactly. okay. All right, yep. I'm with you. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> We're on the same. So this is really delicious, an ideal cocktail. So while I'm sipping this, this is one of the things that you found that really stuck out for you. And for everybody, it was kind of, it kind of tore its way through the conference and people were drinking it all over the French Quarter. Whether or nice. not they were at that session. It was and just, this is only pros. The consumers yeah. can't make their way into this thing. There's some people that come that are like super duper cocktail fans, but you can tell when you're sitting next to them at the bar based on what they're ordering and what they're talking about. It's like, oh, mm. you just like to drink and you're down here. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Yeah. That would be a fun little article for you to write, like how to how to recognize. <laughs> some okay. things that tip you off, yeah. So I know we just recently had... Um, Victorino Mattis, who wrote uh, a book on vodka, which is, was fascinating on. And uh, we talked a lot about the history of vodka in this country and flavored vodkas and how that's become such a amazing craze. I know you and I are not big fans of the flavored vodka, but that still is alive and well at the conference. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's what's paying the bills so that people can take risks on other things. Okay. You know, uh, it's like your cash cow. Yeah, the orange flavored vodka in Baltimore makes Stoli, for instance, so much money that they can afford to take risks on weirder flavors, maybe. Mm -hmm. Because this thing, you know, every orange crush that gets sold in the city of the summer is just printing them money. Right. So, you know, like it's just like you don't have to be excited about it, but you have to acknowledge that, yeah, this is what's this is what's keeping the industry moving forward and right. allowing us to experiment with new things. So love it or hate it, it's here. I mean, and there's a yeah. place for it. And the flavors, new flavors every day. Ugh, well, some of them, <laughs> some of them need to be left still Retired. Yeah. Okay, so what else did you find that you found exciting? Okay, so another thing that was cool down there is a brand that I've personally been using for a long time. Um, but I think I was one of the only people around here that was using it. And it's gaining popularity you know, worldwide, really. Setter. Well, when I was ordering it from the liquor distributor, the boxes had been sitting in the warehouse for at least 15 years because the wow. tape was dry rotted and wow. the labels were falling off. So it is called Eldorado Rum. Oh, cool. Um, and it's one of the best aged spirits that I carry, that I sell, that I'm aware of. At like the price point that it's at for how delicious it is, uh, this is a 
So, you know, they have lower ends, but the go-to is the 12-year-old rum. Okay. And it's cheap enough that I don't feel bad making a cocktail out of it. Uh, a 12-year-old scotch? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, we probably want to just drink that by itself. Okay. But this one is coming in at the same price as a bottle of Grey Goose. Wow. So I can totally justify making a cocktail with 12-year-old rum. Okay. And this 12-year-old rum just so happens to drink better than a lot of the 12-year-old scotches and 12-year-old bourbons that I've tried. Okay. And you would sip this... Here you go. All by itself. Try it by itself. Okay. Same process as wine tasting, right? You want to, you're gonna mm. get a nose for it. You're. N- you don't really want to really nose swirl liquor it. too much because it's so strong. Maybe just pass it under. Okay. Because uh, if you really put your nose in, it's just gonna smell like alcohol. And then same with the wine. You just let a little bit wash across the top of your tongue, so you're hitting all the different taste areas. It is really smooth. And across the back of your throat. Oh yeah, for for a bottle under under thirty dollars, my cost. Uh, that is 12 years old and is this smooth. Wow. It's a phenomenal steal. So it's delicious. They were at the conference in a big way, even though they're a tiny brand compared to the other rum producers. Okay. Um, just, you know, try our stuff. Here, we're going to place it in these bars. Just just try it, guys. We know that this crowd is going to lose their minds. Appreciate it. Yeah. So anyone that hadn't tried it, that tried it down there was doing cartwheels. Yeah, you know, it really Figuring out how to get it back home. I guess this... Would be considered a dark rum. This is a gold rum. Uh, gold rum. It is made from Demerara sugar, which is sugar that isn't fully refined. So each big chunk of sh- it, it's what sugar in the raw. It's what you think sugar in the raw is. <laughs> um, it's a big chunk of you sugar. Mean it isn't because mm. that's what I use. Well, it's not bad, but if you can actually get Demerara sugar, it's so much richer in flavor. Okay. And then each little crystal has molasses washed around the outside of it. So you get the depth of the flavor from the molasses, but still the purity of the pure sugar. And then they make a rum out of it, and it's got incredible flavor. So we're going to take a quick break. But if you were going to mix something up after this, do you have time to mix this something Yeah, I was going to make you a traditional daiquiri with this. Ooh, okay. So why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and... Let's go old school with your daiquiri. Definitely. All right. We'll be right back on The Sipping Point. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach, and this is The Sipping Point. We're back with John Rusing from Bad Decisions. We're talking all about his time at Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans and the trends, the spirits trends that he brought back for us here in Baltimore. We had the Ideal Cocktail, which was the cocktail of the conference. Delish. And then we tasted that great El Dorado 12-year rum. But now you're going to take that same rum and make a classic daiquiri. People always think of a daiquiri as a frozen by the pool drink. It's unfortunate because a classic daiquiri is a beautiful cocktail equal to a Manhattan or a martini. Uh, really? This is this is the classic cocktail for rum as the base spirit. So yeah. how did daiquiris get so They got TGI Friday. TGI Friday. Um and when when exactly did that all come about? Uh, I think the frozen drink thing was really, it was like a a 70s and 80s trend where we cared less about maybe the quality of the liquor we were using and more Mm. about the flash of it. So speaking of the quality of liquor, what is in this? So this is our rum. Just three things. Rum, simple syrup, and fresh lime. And it's a simple cocktail, but it really allows the quality of the rum to shine through. Oh my gosh. And the depth of the flavor. Oh yeah. And you'll be able to... You're not beating up the rum. It's showing off. The right. Rum, you wouldn't you know? want to put frozen ice mm. chopped up in there. And <laughs> it would a, be an umbrella. insult to this rum to, to treat it that way. Yeah. 
That is really good. So if folks want to make this at home, what are the... Equal portions. Equal portions, One, lime two, juice, three. simple syrup, and rum. Quality rum. Quality. If you use cheap this rum, case, this is going to be an awful year. drink. Yeah, Eldorado 12 year, if you can find it, is for your, for your dollar, the best value. Oh, well, thank you so much for reporting back to us My your pleasure. experiences. We should do an after the show to find out what you really did at the conference. <laughs> I mean, we're only hearing the professional stuff. I'm going to get the real scoop. But if folks want to find out more about bad decisions, come see you, all that, tell us how they should do that. Well, the best way is just to come to the bar, and we're in Fells Point on the corner of Fleet and Washington. Okay. Or there's always our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash bad decisions. Nice. And then in any of your app stores, there's a bad decisions mobile app with all kinds of cool bells and whistles on it. I love that. I, I think it's a bad decision to use your cell phone when you're drinking. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> speaking of bad decisions, right? <laughs> well, mine that... has a car finder in it, so you can always find your way back to your car if you're using our app. Oh. Really? For real? Yep. Yep. That is amazing. I'm getting the app right (laughs) as we finish the show. Okay, John Roosing, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show, and we look forward to having you back in the future. Yeah, thanks. Cheers. You're listening to The Sipping Point. This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach. Chris? Yes. I love that John Roosing. He's a great dude. He can come any week. He should just be permanent (laughs) co-host. Just get rid of me. No, no. You don't need me. I, no. I, I add nothing. That's not He's true. funny and he brings booze. He's, <laughs> he is he's funny a winner. And he brings great booze. <laughs> um, both of the cocktails he made, I'll uh, give some, although he doesn't give exact directions. He kind of just leaves it proportional, but I'll yeah. give some direction to the folks at thewinecoach.com, the ideal cocktail Very and tasty. the classic daiquiri. The daiquiri. Out of I nowhere. It. it was great. I always think of like strawberry daiquiri and then Something I don't like it. Something you get like at a it. pool at a really crappy resort. Yeah. But what he ser- that what you he wonder if it even has alcohol in it. Right. <laughs> what he gave us was really good. It was, was really all good. It. All about tales of the cocktail. Mm-hmm. So you got to love that. Every week at thewinecoach.com, we yes. have a recap of the show. Absolutely. So folks can go there. And also you can listen if you want to re-listen to the show. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. Just download my free <laughs> app for iPhone and Android. It's called The Wine Coach. Yeah. It's all Easy to good. remember. And you can listen to any of the shows you might have missed. Get my wine suggestions, all kinds of fun videos, fun, fun stuff. And some of the videos are comedy. Okay. You know, my little quirky little wine oh, yes. comedy I got yes, going on. Yes. And speaking of that, on August 8th. That's about a week uh-huh. from now. I'm going to be performing at the Vandiver Inn in Havre de Grace. Oh, that's right. There's only a couple tickets less. Buy them now. But if you go to VandiverInn.com, you might just score. They're um, a really amazing inn, and we're going to do a reception with okay. some hors d'oeuvres, my comedic wine tasting okay. with tastings in front of you, and then dinner. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a complete package. Hors d'oeuvres, laughs, wine, and dinner. dinner. Yep. That's great. But speaking of dinner, mm-hmm. you don't have to wait for my show. You can just go out to the Oregon Grill anytime. It's very simple to I'm do. I'm headed there right from here. Yeah. And they have an amazing menu. They got dry-aged prime beef, mm. fresh seafood like pan-fried rockfish, oh. large lobsters. I'm so hungry. You could be in that lovely dining room. Mm-hmm. But if you're cash, like me, I love being in the bar. Yeah. I mean, it's really, or the patio outside. Yeah, it's been beautiful out recently. I'm, it's great. I mean, just sit outside, enjoy your food. They yeah. have extensive wine list in the bar. Every night of the week, it's some sort of special. Yeah. So and brunch just, on Sundays. Yes. And that's your favorite. The Bacon brunch. Bacon Bloody Marys. <laughs> 
I love it. Bacon Bloody Marys. If you want to go, just give Devin a call at 410-771-0505. He's awesome. Impeccable service. Or you can check them out online at theoregongrill.com. Next week, we're going to be back with the recipe for a delicious life. Special thanks, as always, to Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, Wine World, Highland Wine and Spirits, and the Oregon Grill.